You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. These are people that have embraced their own genius and applied it to the world to make the world a better place. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and today's impact player is Ari Gunsberg. Ari is someone who experienced trauma out when he was on a school field trip when he was young, and uh, this happened out at a, a field trip out in the woods, and something happened, and it completely changed Ari's life. Um the lessons that he extracted out from that has really propelled him to be uh, an avid storyteller and an award-winning international speaker. He's taken those skills and really his heart and desire to make the world a better place to help other people achieve their own inner greatness. And it's a pleasure to have had him on the program. Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to let us get into the call. Here I am with Ari Gunsberg. All right, I'm here with Ari Gunsberg. Ari, thanks for joining me today, brother. Thanks so much for having me. I am uh, excited to hear a little bit more about your journey and uh, the ins and outs of your life. Um, I found you online and somebody had referred me to you as well. And I did a little research, but I want to hear a little bit more about who you are, what you're up to and how you're making an impact. It's always inspirational to me to see what people are doing and how they've fought through the, the their, their demons and <laughs> the bullshit that they've run into. So thanks again for taking the time today, man. I, I really appreciate the meeting. I, that's the first thing I want to say. Also, uh, so what are you looking for right now? You're looking for like a little bit of a bio or what? Yeah. If, uh, if for those that are listening, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, uh, we can kind of dive into your journey from there. Sure. I am from Baltimore originally. We just moved back actually a little while ago. And I, I, I grew up over here had a bit of a interesting youth, you know, got into some trouble growing up. And that that was a lot of that was after a, a pretty traumatic event when I was a kid. But leaving all that to the side for right now, what I'm doing now is I'm working on promoting a positive message, promoting a message of hope and a, a message of change. And I am doing that with just the various things that I'm doing, which is which, you know, some of the some of the things that I do is motivational speaking, I uh, just launched the podcast. I'm I'm just working on getting these ideas that I have, and some of them are original, and some of them, you know, it it is what it is, right? I mean, people are right. just talking about these ideas all the time, and so some of my ideas, yeah, they're original, and then others of them are my take or my version on other ideas. That hey, you know, if you've been listening to some self help programs, if you've been reading into it, if you've been thinking about it, like they may not come across to you as as um as something you've never heard before, but, but, you know, my angle on it, it's going to be a little bit different. My thought process on it, it's going to be a little bit different. And the idea is anyways, that, you know, Les Brown has a great way to put, of putting it. Negative thoughts are like weeds, right? You keep on pulling them out and they keep on growing and they keep on showing up. So <laughs> you got to constantly be working on, yeah. on, on putting in those positive thoughts and, 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 and working on how you're thinking about the world and how you're interacting with the world and just, it's, it's a process. It's, it's a life process. And, and uh, I'm on this journey with all its ups and downs and all its beauty and, and everything else. Yeah, man. I, you know, I find that certain people sort of are, are maybe even morally obligated to, to uh, raise the torch and to continue to light the path, even if it is regurgitating what other people before them have said, because you know, people need that. And, and as generations um, come and go, like you need different ages, different perspectives, different people that are still uh, bearing that torch, lighting the path. And there are certain people that are really wired to 
um, speak into that. And it sounds like you're that type of person who can take your experience, share the story, inspire other people. And even if you're standing on the shoulders of other giants, you know what? They stood on the shoulders of giants prior to them. They had to learn it from somebody else too. And so uh, as we learn and grow, there's obviously going to be new perspectives, new ways that we can push the uh, push the, the understanding of, you know, bringing our own unique gifts to the table and, and adding that to the conversation too. But um, I applaud anybody that, that steps up and says, Hey, let's, let's continue to point to something positive and healthy and empowering. And how can we help? How can I inspire you? How can I, you know it's, what I mean? It's so interesting that you say that because that's, it's really a large part of the journey that I've been on. Uh, you know, so I, I made the move away from all of the bad stuff that I was doing, all the trouble that I was getting in. You know, I had a mentor. He's no longer with us, but, you know, he was constantly pushing me towards the right direction a little bit. Even if he couldn't get his life fully on track, he at least, you know, was trying to push the others around him to get their lives on track. Uh, and so, you know, I saw, I, I got this, I, I developed this branding agency and I was doing marketing, I was doing branding and I'm totally, totally quiet about all my past. And I'm not talking about anything that happened to me when I was younger. And I'm not, I'm not sitting there and trying to, you know, like I, I, any opportunity to interact with teens or to interact with people who are going through what I used to go through, I would, I would try to avoid and try not to be around. And, Mm -hmm. and at some point in time, I started to realize like, what am I doing? (laughs) There's all these people that I could affect positively that I can, that I can interact with, that I can talk to. Like, I literally know exactly what you're going through because I was there 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever it was. And, and as those thoughts started to hit me more and more, I I began to see more and more that, that trying to sit there and be successful at developing a branding agency and yada, 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 and pretending like none of this stuff ever happened is, is really the wrong journey for me. And that, Hmm. that the journey that I have to be taking is, you know what, Uh, I'm going to post stuff online about myself. That's pretty embarrassing post stuff online about myself that will make it difficult for me to get a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if I ever try out and go get a job again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, once when you put it up in a couple places, it's one thing, but when you are trying to get your information into as many places as I'm trying to it, there's like that, that tipping point where you're just not going to be able to get that stuff down ever again. You know, like if somebody looks into you, they're going to find it. And, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, uh, uh, if, if, even only one person sees the stuff that I'm putting out there and, and makes a positive change in their life or is able to save the life of somebody else or uh, is able to lead somebody away from the things that won't be beneficial to somebody long term, even mm-hmm. one person, it's worth it. You know, there's a, there's a saying in the Talmud. Uh, I think that at this point, it's pretty, pretty universal, right? But there's a saying in the Talmud that he who saves one life, it's as if he saved an entire world. Mm. You saved the world of that person's one life for absolutely sure. Uh, yeah, but but here's the here's a, a another explanation of it, another right. nuance of it is that one person is not just one person. If you look at a person over the span of a long period of time, that yeah. one person can have three kids, each one of them can have five kids, and each one of those can have two kids, and each one of them this many kids, and and that one person ultimately can be the the I think the word is progenitor. I'm not sure, but it can be the forefather of you know, thousands of people potentially. Very true. Uh, I had um, a guy named David uh, McIlvaney on my show a little while ago. He wrote a book called Legacy, which is about passing down generational wealth from generation to generation. And the entire, I thought it was going to be a financial book, but it was a very 
dialed into psychology. And um, one of the things that just really hit me and when reading that and thinking about legacy was to basically echo what you were just saying. He starts off the whole book by talking about how, you know, 150 years ago, there was, there was a criminal and how over the generations that one criminal, literally they can point to, I think over 350 people now today that are in jail or that have had struggles or whatever. And then they, he talks about another person who was a, I don't know. A, a criminal leader. who had kids like that, meaning his kids and his grandkids and everybody just ended up going to jail. Yeah. I mean the, like the crime perpetuated throughout the generations. And but the again, in the, in the family, not like, not like people that he knew. Correct. Like his blood. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the other, there was another person that he, they could, uh, that they tracked in his ancestry was, was politicians and leaders and business owners and authors. And it, it, you're, you're hundred percent right that that seed gets, gets the seed that gets planted does grow over generations and it makes a compounding effect that uh, can change the world. That's, yeah, it's pretty profound to think about. That's fascinating also because, um, because my grandfather was a big civic leader. He was very involved in making sure that – and just trying to grow community and stuff. I mean there's a – it hasn't come up much in my speaking career yet, but like I like to tell people that like one of our family legacies is, is kindness. Hmm. I don't know if every single one of my siblings would necessarily agree. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just one of those ways that I, that I kind of uh, fit into a nutshell. Like uh, basically he's – our family's from Germany. So he, um, there was, he was like a, a, a junior executive or an executive at a department store and he would go in every single day and he would see this janitor and he would always go over to the janitor and talk to him and say, how you doing and what's going on and refer to him by name and everything else. Most of the other executives just ignored the guy. Mm. Fast forward a number of years, you know, at some, at a certain point in time, they stopped allowing Jews to work for non-Jews. And a little bit later, um, he's like, they were like rounding people up and I think they were putting them on train cars, hmm. right? It wasn't quite into when it got like really bad, but it was starting to get pretty bad. And they were rounding people up and they were putting them on train cars and he gets into this line and he's being brought to the front of the line and, you know, just totally dejected because he knows what's coming and he gets to the front of the line and he's standing there and the person says, Herr Gunsberg. And he looks up and there's the janitor wearing the decked out like SS uniform mm. and he's like, he's going, let him go. And he jumped on a, a boat as quickly as possible after that, left the country and never looked back. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk about uh, having an impact and changing the world. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to think about for somebody who's really struggling um, to think of like, what, what difference could I make? Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're in a dark place. And I think about like that turnaround story for that person to be able to interrupt the pattern uh, and, and create, find self-love and, and pivot and, and change the trajectory of their life. And like you were just saying, how that can positively impact generations. You're really, I mean, you're making the decisions of multiple lines of people after you. Yeah. And when you think of it that way, it's like, wow, we really have a responsibility to find, to find our way as best as we can. As best um, as we can. You had shared a little bit earlier about some embarrassing moments or, or some trauma that you dealt with when you were younger. Is that stuff that you're public about? Are you willing to share some of that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very okay with telling you if I'm not willing to talk about something. So yeah. feel free to ask anything you want. 
uh, but I'm, I'm pretty public with it. Yeah. You, you had mentioned in your uh, bio that I had read uh, that there was an incident when you were younger hiking in the woods. Is that a story you're willing to share? Yes. Okay. Where would you like me to start? Uh, <laughs> why don't you start? Uh, you were heading out into the woods. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so in, in our culture, culture, there's a day in the spring that, you know, a lot of times is very focused on getting outdoors and, and, you know, so a lot of the schools will end up doing little field trips. So our field trip didn't end up happening on that particular day. I forget what it was. It was raining or it, uh, it didn't work out. It was a sad, I don't know exactly what it was, but we went out a few days later. So little backstory, the rabbi, the teacher, he, the, the day before we went out, he came to school like an hour late or something because he had a physical and he comes inside into the room and he's like, I'm really sorry I'm late. Doctor gave me a clean bill of health. Everything's good. All right, fine. Hmm. The next day we get out and you know, this is back in the nineties. So the, you know, every, nobody's really worried about stuff. So we'd grab like a 12 passenger or a 15 passenger van and 17 kids and him, you know, we squeezed in cause that's, that's what you did back then. We were crazy. We all, back then. Oh man. Yeah. The seatbelts, <laughs> the, the, this, the, that, oh my gosh. Like the, the, <laughs> pack them in sardines yeah so we all jumped into the van and it was just him and we go over to this to this park actually over here in baltimore and we started playing baseball you know i mean 10 year olds you know fourth grade you're like oh our rabbi's gonna play baseball with us yes you know like best day ever yeah. so we played baseball for a while i think we had a barbecue maybe the barbecue was gonna be later i don't remember exactly it's but it's a long time ago anyways we went for this so, so, okay, fine. So it's a little bit later. This is the second part of the field trip. He's like, let's go hiking. And he particularly loved nature, you know, like, uh, um, he would always go hiking. He'd always be outside. And, you know, even on the hike, he would be sitting there and saying, Hey, you know, look at this tree over here. And, you know, do you see how God created the world that these things interact with each other and they help each other. And you see, and, you know, just constantly just pointing out God's mark on the world. We're walking along and, and, and we started to, you know, spread out on the trail because there are, you know, you have 17, 10 year olds and we're just exuberant and jumping and all over the place and we want to move with. So we started to, you know, run ahead and, you know, basically it was, I think he was basically fine with it. I don't think he was upset. And so we we're kind of just spread around on the trail. We stopped at any like forks in the trail so we didn't get lost. And so a bunch of us were up ahead in this stream on the side of the road, pathway, whatever it was, mm-hmm. playing in the water. You know, I mean, kids are kids, right? We're like sitting there and trying to find stuff in the water, crayfish, crawdaddies, whatever you want to call them. And after a little while, some kids like, you know, came down the trail enough that they were able to see us from, from, from afar. And then they started calling out to us, you know, hey guys, guys, you know, Rebby's hurt. You know, we gotta, we gotta do something, Rebby's hurt. And so we're like, dude, they're joking. Like we're, we totally ignore them until they were screaming long, long enough and loud enough that we listen to what they had to say. Hmm. And then we turned around and ran back with them to, you know, where, where, um, where he had fallen. Hmm. So we show up there and, and it's, I mean, it's literally just a bunch of kids and, and he's laying there prostrate on the ground, totally not moving. You know, one kid, I don't think anybody had a handle on the situation, but like one kid in particular, like really was like losing it. Like he was sitting there like on his knees, like at the, I forget if he was at his head or his feet, but he was just like staring at him and screaming at him at the top of his lungs, you know, get up, get up. What are you doing? How could you possibly, why are you sitting there? Just get up. Like, what are you doing? It was, um, 
And this is you know, on the trail or had he fallen off the trail? Like, was there a little cliff? I, no, 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 no cliff, no cliff. Okay. Um, it wasn't like a situation where he had like fallen down a hundred feet and gotten hurt. Like Got it, we're, yeah. it's a trail that, you know, there's the trail and there's the grass or whatever, the leaves on the one side, the leaves on the other side. So I think he was like slightly off the trail, whatever. Um, and so this one kid is like just totally screaming. And so, uh, you know, me and two other kids went, for help immediately like when i when we pulled up to the place i'm like i'm going for help who's coming and so two kids said you know i'll come with you uh you know a group of seven kids also after like that thought process kicked in they're like oh yeah we'll go for help also they're like you're going the wrong way we're like no you're going the wrong way you know so there was this like little like shouting match at 10 years old right in the middle of the forest nobody was around you know which way do you go how do we get out of here and we said no you know so we just all basically decided we're you know you're gonna go your way we're gonna go our way we're gonna find our way out of here and we started trying to hike to get out of the woods. And, um, and so you said you're in Florida, so you have an idea or probably more of an idea, but Baltimore is a, in the summer, it's a hot, muggy climate. I'm, I'm uh, in St. Louis at the moment. I used to live in Florida, but Oh, you St. said, you, oh, oh, sorry. I'm, my last phone call is Florida, right? No, sorry. I used to live in Florida, but no, St. <laughs> but Louis. But I did get that. Okay. <laughs> St. Louis does have, I think it has like a similar, similar climate to Baltimore because yeah, the okay. summers with the water. Hot sort of, it's and muggy. muggy and like yeah, you walk yeah. outside and your shirt's soaking wet. And you're like, oh yeah. So it was like one of those hot, hot days in Baltimore. And, and, you know, we didn't necessarily know anything about heat exhaustion, heat stroke, anything like that. But we had this thought that like maybe whatever happened had to do with the heat. So we're like, we're like frantic running and then wait, 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 we got to stop and like just rest for a little bit because maybe it had to do with the heat. And so we're just like running and stopping and running and stopping and trying to figure out which way do we go? Like, is this the trail? Is this the trail? Because there are a couple of forks in the trail. And it's probably a good thing that I had the other two kids with me because I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know how much I was paying attention to the way to go. But um, so we found our way. Uh, oh, we didn't quite find our way out. We were almost all the way out and we start like hearing this music and we didn't know what it was and we thought for a little bit like maybe is that a carnival is that like like where's this music coming from and what is it you know and we just couldn't tell what it was but we said look you know wherever the music is coming from there's people so let's just let's follow the music we'll get to where the music is and then we can reassess the situation we got to the edge of the woods it was literally the most random thing in the world. There was a guy standing there in a kilt, you know, the whole Scottish getup with a bagpipes under his arms and just playing away. What? I, totally, totally random. I have no idea. Like, okay, yeah, I, he probably went out there to practice because everybody would be like, just stop practicing. But I'm but tired of hearing bagpipes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bagpipes are very nice, but like, you know, a little bit, they can get a little bit tiring after a little while. So. <laughs> Especially if you suck at it. Well, I don't think he, I don't know if he's, I don't think he sucked at it too bad. I'm saying like, okay. I think he had tunes enough that like we thought it was a carnival, you know? And we get, we get over to this bagpipes guy and we're like, yeah, we're not talking to him. And, but, but at that point we were at the edge of the forest and we could already see buildings off, off, you know, in the distance. So we ran over to the buildings. Um, I have said in the past, like during speeches where I've discussed this, that, that, I think that there's like very few explanations other than God was like, you need to be there today playing bagpipes because they need to find their way out of the forest. Right. <laughs> you know? And so that's what happened. You know, like we, we found this guy and playing the bagpipes. We're like, okay, not you, but we got these buildings over here. We ran to the buildings and 
turns out much later that I th I'm like 98% sure that the buildings were actually outward bound um, buildings because this is Leakin Park here in Baltimore and they have like an outward bound presence in the park. I'm not positive. Which is, which is that the wilderness uh, leadership organization? Yeah, they do. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an alumnus of Outward Bound, uh, but not that one. I'm the, an alumnus of the Hurricane Island School, which is up in Maine. Okay. Um, they do like, you know, they do, they do like multi-day trips, oftentimes multi-week trips that teach team building, they teach confidence, it teaches persistence, it teaches, um, you know, uh, overcoming in the face of difficulty. It teaches a lot of things like that. Mm -hmm. We get there and we just tell a couple of these guys inside. We're like, yeah, we don't know. We fell over. I don't know. And so two guys came with us. One of them grabbed a first aid kit and they're like, okay, take us where, take us to where it was. And so one kid's like, I'm going to stay here so that when the other kids come, I tell them not to leave again because people already went for help. Hmm. So one kid stayed, me and the other kid led them back over to the whole situation going on in the woods. And we get there and one of the guys immediately started doing CPR which now that I have the wilderness first responder certification, I'm basically positive locked him in for 30 minutes to do CPR on that guy. Right. Because that's like my certification. I, we don't, we don't have a certification that allows us to say, Hey, this guy's dead. So if we make the decision to start doing CPR on somebody, meaning the decision, meaning like, you know, if somebody is, has, what they call injuries incompatible with life, you know, their head's not attached to their body. You're like, I'm, I'm not doing CPR. <laughs> I'm not doing CPR or yeah. CPR is not indicated, but if CPR is indicated and you start doing CPR on somebody and they're not responding, you're locked in for 30 minutes or until you're literally collapsing from exhaustion. So mm. when this guy started doing that, that's what he locked himself into. I think mm. the other guy immediately grabbed all the kids together. He's like, guys, come on, we got to go. We got to go get everybody get together. Come on, come on, come on. So basically, we left one guy with the rabbi and all the other kids went and got gathered together. Uh, fast forward an hour or two, whatever, they got in touch with the school. They sent some people over and the school basically... You, you reunited with the other group as well? The other yes, kids? Yeah, yeah, the other group made it out of the woods. Also, they made it to the building. The other guy said, stay here. We're waiting for everybody. We waited there. We all reunited. The school sent some of the, like the principal and some of, and I think like our rabbi from the year before out and um, maybe a couple other people. I, I don't remember it being so many people though. And they were there like talking to the rangers and just figuring stuff out and, you know, logistics and I don't know. Obviously they knew what the situation was, but they wouldn't communicate anything to us. Like they didn't, nothing. They had us, there was this giant, giant tree, right? This is like a clear memory. There's a huge tree. And like, we were just kind of standing in a circle around it, not like holding hands or anything, but just all like milling around it. Like we were like, that was our zone. It was like, stay here, you know? Mm -hmm. That was our zone that kept us in that zone for a while. And um, eventually, so our teacher from the year before, he's like, everybody get in the car. It was, I think it was his van, you know, like we borrowed the van from him to go do the field trip. So he's like, everybody get in the van. And like, he wouldn't say a word. Like it was just very grim, very gruff. I mean, it's, it's one of his colleagues for a very, very long time. Yeah. And so, so he just, I don't know, he was having a bad day also. <laughs> It wasn't just us. Yeah. Um, and so he just, he wouldn't say a word. He just, you know, like point to somebody and say, okay, where do you live? And say nothing, just drive to their house, drop them off. Okay. Where do you live? Drive to their house, drop them off. Nothing. Um, later on, my dad got home and, you know, so my mom was like, yeah, they just, they dropped them off. They didn't say anything. We don't really know what happened. You know, just no information. So my dad, like, um, my dad, like called the school and he's like, Hey, you know, he came home. What happened? 
and like you could see on his face like what was going on yeah he's like um he like hung up the phone and he like looks up at me he's like it's gone mm. and this is this is somebody that had been uh obviously a, a big influence in your life up until that point uh i think so yeah, yeah. i mean um I'm embarrassed to say that I don't really remember anything that he taught me. <laughs> Just, I mean, at, even if it's a complete stranger, that's a very traumatic experience for yes. a yeah. child to, to experience, number one. Number two, to have no other adult uh, and then have that moment of like, oh, shit, like we have to do something at that age. You have to grow up. Got to do something. Fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so I, I remember him very fondly. Um, Hebrew wasn't my, the, the, the Hebrew studies weren't my best subject. Um, I struggled a lot in them. Uh, I think, I think cause of the language barrier, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of the teachers could have been better. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why I always find that very contrasting is because I never had any struggles in, um, English studies, you know, like my whole school career up until I left school was always, you know, straight A student. If I'm really not trying hard or if the subject matter got a little bit too hard, I'd be a B student, you know, like never had problems in school, but I always had problems in that, in that side of my studies. Um, but I remember him very fondly. Um, you know, he certainly cared about everybody. Uh, I do remember one like thing that he said, you know, one thing that he would say all the time and he, I'll share it with you guys. I mean, I, it's it's an interesting concept and hard or impossible to wrap your head around but that's mm. kind of the whole point mm. he would he would always tell us like you know god is is you know, you know I, I don't know like how religious anybody is whatever but you know fine okay god god's all powerful he can do anything he wants right and and so a lot of times what we imagine god doing is actually limited by what we're able to imagine and and his point to help us realize this was look god can do whatever he wants so much so that God can take a needle and God can take an elephant and God can have the elephant pass through the eye of the needle all the way through without changing the physical properties of either one of them. And as a human, we're like, that's impossible. But if God can literally do anything, nothing's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's, that's one concept that he, you know, pushed forward. And it was a very weird, the whole thing was very weird. Um, he had been teaching eighth grade for 20 years or something, you know, for a very long time. And at the end of the year, for some reason, they were like, you need to go teach fourth grade. Right. Which is, which is strange. Right. But, but if you look at it in retrospect and you say, okay, look, here's 17 kids for whatever reason, God said they need to have this rabbi. They need to be affected by this rabbi for at least a little while, but he doesn't have the amount of years left for them to get to eighth grade and be in his class. Hmm. So we're going to orchestrate things that he's now going to teach fourth grade and hmm. this is going to happen. Yeah, I do. When I think of things like that, I think of, um, First of all, just historically, if you look at the, the progress and evolution of mankind, there was, we're doing things now today that were impossible or mind-blowing or miracles to generations ago, you know, um, that was outside of their comprehension, their ability to even imagine. Oh, yeah. Problem, right? <laughs> so, so you have that. But then you also have, I think, a, a consciousness that uh, 
you know, if, if we're in a three dimensional world with our five senses, right? But if you were to look at, uh, if, if you had the understanding of a two dimensional world, three dimensions would be, you couldn't mind even, boggling. Yeah. So when you say take an elephant and pass it through the oven needle, it's like in our five senses world, if we're looking at that as a metaphor, I can say, uh, oh, well, in my five senses world, in my human experience, like that's, that's ridiculous. It's impossible. But I do connect to it in the way of that there's, it's very possible that there's this other consciousness that takes this three-dimensional world and makes it feel like a two-dimensional world. Like we look at that now that there's things, there's truth, there's spiritual consciousness that's beyond us uh, that we can even begin to comprehend right now. So I, that's how I connect to things well, like that. I mean, you, can, you could just look at stuff that we know about, but we're not physically able to experience right. you know, with, uh, with ultraviolet, right? Yep. You've got this whole gamut of colors that's existing right now all around us. And we have the instrumentation to measure it and to say, this is this color in ultraviolet and this color. And I think infrared also might be a, a color spectrum, but we can't experience it. So it's happening all around us, but we literally can't experience it. So mm -hmm. if there's that, then, then it, there very clearly can be so much more that we just don't have the instrumentation to, to measure. And, yeah. and that's, that's one point that people have made in the past, uh, I think Jewish speakers and stuff about, you know, so there's people in the scientific world who say, hey, God doesn't exist. And their answer is, well, we can't measure him. And so the, the very simple answer is, well, that's, there's a very good possibility that the reason that you can't measure him is because you don't know how. Meaning, not measure him, I mean, God's measurable, but, but even find any type, of, any type of a hint of it is because you don't have the instrumentation. Right. You know, you don't get, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know on what plane or on what, you know, where, what, where any of the stuff is happening, like none of it. So, so we don't have, so so it's, it's a little bit blindsided. Like if you had told somebody, like you said, 200 years ago, hey, there's this whole spectrum of colors called ultraviolet. We can't see them. There's only a few animals that can see them and they're, they're completely affecting the world around us. And the sun has colors coming out of it like that. They'd be like, you're crazy. Yeah. But now that we have the instrumentation, now we know that it exists and we know that it's real. We know we can even represent it, I think, to some degree. The, yeah. I, you, uh, the way that I think about that is how do you measure love? nobody, nobody, that's um, a great point. <laughs> disputes, nobody disputes that love is fake uh, or that's real, right? Nobody, nobody is, we all seem to inherently have this idea of what love is. I love my, I love my parents. I love my friends. I love my spouse. I love my kids. What, like, I love the world. I love conscious, whatever your sense of love is. How do you measure that? And that, like, that's the thing is in this human experience, maybe the question is flawed. How do you take something that's infinite and bring it into a finite measurement? Maybe yeah. the question is flawed from the very beginning and maybe it's not even something that you measure in that way. And maybe that's what I think of this whole experience is like, it's a letting go of the human measurement. And, and yeah. surrendering to a higher consciousness. Maybe it's not something you measure in that way. Maybe it's something you feel. Maybe it's something that you experience that's beyond that. Yeah, I mean, one one thought that goes into it also, and I, I, I don't remember if it comes from like one of King David's writings or not, or if it comes from other like more Kabbalistic writings or anything, but the thought of you can't, you can't use 
any of our existing concepts or things to try and measure God because God created it. So therefore he can't be limited by it. Like take for instance, time. God's not limited by time. God created time. Meaning he's outside of time. Like he could, he created it. So he can't therefore be limited by it. You know, mm. does he, does he, does he mess maybe generally operate within its confines? Sure. But time is a create meaning time was, you know, take Matt, uh, take the world, right. Um, trying to think of like something like that a scientist would create, you know, like a, a scientist is not limited by something that he creates because he created it, you know, right. like the, that's not limiting me. It's not stopping me from creating other stuff. I created that. Time is such an interesting thing because it is a human construct. There, 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 in actuality, there is no such thing other than the present moment. The only way that time, like. You mean the present and the future? Uh, the past and the future that there is or is not like what I'm saying is that, like time is a, is a human construct where scientists and will even, you know, they talk about bending time, right. Or right. they talk about uh, time travel and that theoretically time travel is possible. Well, how is that possible? And, and, and they talk about bending light. And uh, I mean, this is beyond my pay grade to even talk about it, but <laughs> but to just point to it and go that, that, that time is something that we think of as in our heads as human, as human beings, that there is a, that there's a beginning and an end, but that's, that's still a, uh, it's still in our imagination of what that is. So I can think about when I was 10 and that was X amount of years ago, but that's happening in my head, not necessarily in the act. The only thing that there truly is, is the now right is in the present moment. Right. Being able to contemplate the past or contemplate the future is a human ability. It's, it's an ability that we have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of trippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is. So going, going back to this uh, story for you, um, how does that affect you? I mean, take us in the next couple of weeks or the rest of, you know, if I understand correctly, you then kind of went, into a dark hole a little bit and, or how did that, how did that affect you and impact you? Yeah. Uh, so immediately after, I think I was kind of in shock. Uh, you know, like the day after we went to, we, we, um, I went to the, I went to the funeral. I don't think they let us go to the graveside service. Uh, later that day, my brother was going to a friend's house to like go swimming. And my parents thought it'd be a good idea if I went, I think I might may have wanted to go also you know, get my mind off it. And I went and I was fine for like a while. And then all of a sudden I'm standing by the side and we're like, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. contemplating stuff just like uh, WTF, you know, and not in those words at that point. Um, so the school, they did the best they could. I, w I would say, you know, I, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They gave us a substitute till the end of the year. Um, it's my friend's father-in-law now. He wasn't on the trip, but it's my friend's father-in-law now. You know, so every single time I see his mother-in-law, I'm like talking to her a little bit. I'm like, you, you, you know, like your husband. She's like, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> whatever. So, um, so then the next year they gave us, um, they gave us a brand new teacher, rabbi, right? He had never taught before, so they gave us a brand new one. The next year they gave us a brand new one. So we were not 
you know, there's, there's two ways to look at it. You know, one way to look at it is, you know, hey, look, these kids are pretty messed up. Let's just, you know, break his teeth on these, on these kids so he'll become a good teacher afterwards. Or these kids are pretty messed up. Let's give them a, look, a really rock solid teacher who can maybe create that connection with them because he's got all those years of experience and help them like readjust to life and relearn stuff and everything. And they took the, the first one, it seems like. Hmm. So they gave us two brand new teachers and then they gave it. And then I think they split the, they mixed the classes up a little bit after that. They did make an effort towards giving us counseling. You know, they, they got a group counselor, probably the cheapest bidder to come in. Um, and they put us in a room with him, all of us. And, you know, we're, we're 10 years old. It's just happened. We didn't have the capacity or anything to deal with it. So we were, they put us in a, in like one of the nursery rooms mm-hmm. and we were just running around playing with like little kid toys. Like we want to talk to him, you know? Um, I have an idea in my head of like, you know, maybe getting as many of the kids together again now. Cause mm-hmm. I, I know, you know, I'm still in touch with some of them and, and I don't know that any of us fully healed from it. The problem is, is getting in touch with people because people have spread out all over the world and stuff, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, I'm, maybe one day I'll get that together. You know, I have a friend, I have a close friend who's a, well, I have a few friends who are like psychologists, you know, either PsyDs or PhDs. And I mean, my dad's a psychologist also, but too much mixing in of, you know, family and stuff. But also it's not, it's, it's not his um, specialty anyways. Uh and then like my friend's brother also so you know, bring in some people who like know what's going on, who maybe are within our peer group or maybe not. I don't know which way would work the best, but you know, just get everybody together in a room for like a few hours and be like, dude, what the hell happened to us when we were 10 years old? And like, yeah. let's just talk about it and like see if we can have any healing from it. But I'm way off tangent on what you asked and I'm sorry. So No, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, tough to, it's tough to navigate that sometimes. I appreciate that you're willing to to go back in that moment and, and describe it for us. Cause I, you took me on a little bit of a journey there. It kind of reminded me of that movie stand by me. I don't know if you've seen it, but dude, even just watching that movie when I was younger had an impact. I don't think I saw it. I don't don't know if you should see it. I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to your story. So I just, it's go ahead. It's about, it's about these young boys that find a dead body in the woods and it's, and, Oh wow. Okay. and, And it's a coming of age story. And you know, I don't know if there's healing in that at all for you or not, but just even, like I said, even just watching it as a younger boy that had an impact on me, like shit's real. Like life is yeah, not always going to be roses, nope. you know? <laughs> no. um, so I, I would imagine that that would have pushed you to, to mature in a way and, and find some grounding in a way, and maybe not initially, but that sometimes people don't seem to have if they live a very sheltered life. Could be. It, yeah, it's certainly possible. I, I and I, I don't necessarily know that I can pinpoint what came from that. Um, I, I did want to make a couple point, not points, but uh, you mentioned a movie. I just recently watched a movie which I can't recommend enough. If you liked Little Miss Sunshine, it is not the same movie. Yeah. But it is a very similar brand of humor. Like it's a very, di- it's a very different movie. But it's a, like when I watched it, it was reminding me of like the the pacing and the brand of humor and stuff like that. And it's called something along like where we went on our holiday. It's like a British flick. Hmm. It came out okay. like 2014, 2015. Uh-huh. And it's uproariously funny. I don't know if I'm saying that word right. It's, it's amazingly funny. And it actually crosses into a little bit of a situation like this also, but in a very humorous way, you know, like I, I felt a lot of the parallels when I was watching it and everything, but it was, I mean, they did a really good job with it. And it's, it's probably one of those flicks that like, 
didn't get enough promotion and so therefore did not become this huge thing that little miss sunshine became but yeah totally go check it out because it's a really cool flick cool that was one thing the other thing is so just jumping back to your question if i may so the school gave us a in seventh grade they gave us an, an we had a bunch of problems with english teachers and stuff uh you know because in a religious school you have the the morning which is the hebrew studies and the afternoon which is the english studies so they gave us this teacher it was a disaster to say the least and eventually they they came up with the rule that like you know if you get kicked out of class three times the third time you get kicked out of class we're suspending you for a week you know they were trying to make it so that we were scared i wouldn't get kicked out of class but the guy was a nut job that was crazy the guy had no control over the room or anything and and he was possibly sadistic possibly perverted i really don't know like i i, I legit like i spoke to kids like at one point and i was like yeah do you remember like that teacher and he's like i blocked that whole section of my life out don't even talk to me about that you know this is these are kids that i was on the trip with and everything you know like just messed up Hmm. and um i got kicked out a third time and they suspended me for a week and that was right before a 10-day holiday and after the holiday when it was time to go back and and my 13th um my 13th birthday which in jewish culture is the bar mitzvah the coming of age So like, like I was suspended a week before that happened. So then like this, it just was a crazy, crazy time. And then, and then I, I'm going into this holiday. I come back from the holiday. My parents are like, time to go back to school. And I'm like, there is no way you're sending me back to that school. Hmm. And it was a huge point of contention, you know, like to the point where like, they were like almost physically fighting with me to try to get me to get into the car and go. And I was adamant. I refused. I was, I was, I was not walking back into that school. It happens to be years later, they did tell me specifically, like, we just want you to know, like, we're sorry we fought with you. In retrospect, what you did was probably the right thing to do, and fine. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I was like, I can't, I'm not going back. There's no way I'm going back. And then, thankfully, um, so they, they expelled me, you know, like, they sent a letter to the house. If you don't come back by this date, we're expelling you. And I was like... Did I mean, did the teacher make any advances on you or anything or like was there an uncomfortableness? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Yeah, you, when you say you wouldn't know because I don't have any specific memories of it, but yeah. I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a little fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, if I may, we have we're yeah. Little, I know we only have a couple minutes left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, and I, I don't like want to get too stuck on this because what's really fascinating to me about where you're at and what your journey is like you've you've dealt with some uh some pretty horrific stuff when you were younger but what's so cool is what you're doing now like with your podcast so can you share with the listeners um what you yeah do? yeah definitely so um one thing that i've experienced uh, a lot of and and in different forms is is like failure and i, th- I think everybody does i think not I think, I know everybody does. You may want to call it whatever you want to call it. You may want to call it challenges, right? I'm not talking about a state of failure where somebody's um, never able to pull themselves back up. You know, somebody who sits there and says, oh, I failed at everything and kills themselves. That's not really what I'm talking about. I mean more that we go through life. We get these really hard things that come at us and they're, they can be really hard and, and our entire life can implode. I mean, this to some degree, this is like happening in my life right now. And that's a that's another story for another time. But things just all go wrong at once. and It just piles on us and piles on us and piles on us. And, you know, sometimes it's all centered around one event. Sometimes it's like a number of events. Sometimes one event causes a bunch of others, but we get this, this, this feeling sometimes of like, I don't know how I'm going to climb back out of it. Mm -hmm. 
and that fascinates me. And the, what fascinates me is both that happening, not not when the person's in the middle of like a negative state and you know, oh, my life sucks. You know, I they're not helping anybody. But you know, when somebody is able to have a conversation and say, look, you know, here's either what's going on right now or here's what happened to me in the past, and here's my outlook for the future. Here's the mindset that I'm applying to what's happening to me that is going to help me create a better future. Or, you know, like, here's what I've done to overcome these challenges, these failures that have come my way, that have just sit there and just fallen on top of me and, like, completely implode my life. Um, I can't think of any specific examples right now, but, like, you know, you'll hear stories of somebody who's like, yeah, I had this amazing job and I got fired and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me until... I realized that maybe that wasn't the best career for me and I started doing this other thing and now I'm in such a better place than I was four years ago. Right. You know, so, so failures are momentary and the more that I can help people realize that, that, that on our way to greatness, failures are just a moment in time. They're, they're part of the process. You know, nobody, nobody, nobody gets to a point of being highly successful without having failures in their past. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you're talking about. You can talk about Tony Robbins, you can talk about Gary V, talking about Grant Cardone. You know, you talk about any influencer you want to talk about. They may not talk about their failures. They may not be willing to share them. Guarantee you, there's failures in their past. Of course. You know, and they they may gloss over them also. So that, you know, the the podcast is is focused on exploring that journey, that the the journey from those points of failure, those points of mediocrity to success and greatness. And the name of the podcast is Way to Greatness. Way to greatness. Uh, what's cool about that and what's cool about what you're doing is there's a lot of people who have that desire in them, and but they go, uh, I'm not going to put anything out there until I've become great, until I've done the highest level of whatever it is that they feel that they're capable of. Right. And um, what's cool about way to greatness is, hey, it's, it's, it's in the journey. And I'm going to, it sounds like from what I'm experiencing from you. I'm going to share with you the ups and the downs. Like I'm going to share you, you know, the, the lessons learned, the, uh, the, the things that have worked, um, things that, that it's in worked. the path that it's not, yeah. this is what's great. It's, it's in the journey of it, which is, which is cool. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, Hey, I don't necessarily have it all figured out, but here is, here's the path. You know, yeah. So the podcast is actually an interview based podcast. So it's not that much about my journey. Um, I do at one point want to have, you know, I have in my notes to do a guest host episode where somebody comes on to interview me. Yeah. At least one of those is going to be focused on the failures and successes that I've experienced to just launching the podcast. Cause I started recording <laughs> over a year ago Yeah. and I only just got it out two weeks ago. Yeah. And then, and then in addition, you know, maybe, maybe I'll have like an episode where we go through some of this stuff that I've been going through, but it's, it's very hard. I've noticed, um, the podcasts that are just one person talking, you know, the, the, uh, what, what's the word for that? Um, monologuing. So, monologuing. Yeah. I'm going with uh, monotone. I'm like, that's not the right word. Monologuing. <laughs> yeah. The podcasts that are just monologuing, I find very hard to listen to. Uh, it certainly can be. Uh, the com- I'll listen to comedians monologue. Well, uh, comedians are different. Comedians, exactly. comedians, <laughs> comedians know how to be funny without having anybody there. But even them, I've listened to some uh, comedian podcasts and they just get old very quickly. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to give like a little bit of a fresh perspective, and, and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. You know. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about too before you left is your motivational speaking and the storytelling. Um, 
aspect of it. What, like, have you done training to learn how to become a better storyteller or a motivational speaker? Is that just something that you feel has come naturally to you or? A little bit, it comes naturally. Uh, I'm always looking to better myself. Uh, I've done extensive work in Toastmasters, which is kind of like a self-guided training. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the most beneficial parts of Toastmasters was all of the preparation that I had to put in for different contests that I entered. You know, because when you're just getting up and giving a speech in front of 10 people or five people or 20 people that you know or sort of know or whatever, it's one thing when you're getting up in front of an audience who is, first of all, much larger, second of all, much more diverse that you don't necessarily know. And then third of all, grading your speech and deciding if you win or not. Mm. There's a whole nother level of preparation that goes into that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then since I've been moving into the sphere, you know, uh, um, every opportunity that I get to just get out there and just tell a story, get some information across, whatever it is, I, I, I try and take those opportunities. And, and the reason why I keep up, why I post that about the storyteller aspect is because the, 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 the best connections come from stories. You know, like I could tell you that um, I could tell you that it's really tough to be a kid that has to go through hard things and make it past those things. And, you know, to get a positive outlook will be very good. Or I can tell you my story and say, here's what happened to me. Here are the steps that I took to get past that. Here's what I've done to build myself up after those moments you know, so the story of what happened in the past, the story of what's happening now, the story of what's going to happen in the future. And, and I, you know, I, I forget who it is, but, you know, there's, there's speakers out there who will tell you that a speech or a concept or an idea will let up one or two areas of the brain. The storytelling, yep. it's up the whole thing. They've, because, done, they've done brain scans with people right. watching a movie and the brain will actually respond in the exact same way that somebody experiencing what the person's watching in real life experiences absolutely that to me is fascinating absolutely there's no difference this what i was just bringing up is also based on brain scans you know like when they you know um um, 25 percent of people will find it hard to find a job because of things in their past you know that's a fact it's not a fact i made that up Sorry, but I'm saying when somebody presents that as a fact, people are sitting there in the audience and they're like, okay, great. 25% of people. Okay. They'll have a hard time. But when you get up there and you say, I'm one of 25% of people who can't get a job easily because of stuff that happened in my past, what can we do about it? And you tell a little bit of that story, boom, the whole audience is lighting up and the whole audience is like, yeah, well, okay. Yeah. What can we do about this? Yeah. And, and it just gets much more personal because much more uh relatable and it just gets that much more spreadable yeah i I think of story as a as a vehicle to transfer experience um i love that there's an amazing uh here's a story of storytelling there's an amazing story in uh i think it was 2004 i don't know if you remember this there was that tsunami right before i think it was on christmas day or whatever yep and it was devastating, right, to that part of the world. Hundreds of thousands of people died. But there was this island that was right in direct uh, path of this tsunami, and everybody on the island survived. And so they uh, went to the island, and they said, like, why is this? What happened? And they naturally said, hey, look, we have been told stories through generations that when the water recedes, you seek high ground, right? That 
So if you look at sort of even a spiritual purpose in story before there was writing, before you could write things down to have documentation, it was like, how do we, how does one generation that maybe is affected by a tsunami warn the next generation and the generation thereafter in a way that they don't just get information in their head where they go, where it's a checkbox, right? right. But no, 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 they, this is serious. Like you got to- They instituted it. They, 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 they institutionalized this concept of when these things happen, go up. Uh, yes. I, don't know if, I don't know if you got that information from that book. I forget what it's called, like Stay Alive or something. Um, uh, whatever, I'm sure you could, you could, if you know what book I'm talking about, you can link to it in the show notes. I listened to it, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. And she brought up that island and, and, and right, like they created this story that like we know when, when these signs happen, that means you seek high ground. And just because you seek high ground and nothing ends up happening and everybody's fine, you still do it the next time because you never know when that giant disaster is going to hit that came 300 years ago and wiped out half of our people. Right. And this is the story of what happened. And this is what we do to protect against it. Not and to necessarily do. overanalyze this, but like if you don't have the emotional side of it, which the, the emotional side gets transferred through actual story. If I just gave you data and said to one generation, Hey, when the water recedes, go seek higher ground, higher ground that data over time can get lost or like, and so by the third or fourth generation, which is yep. actually what you saw in a lot of these other islands or, or these other coastal villages where the water receded, people were like, Oh, I, I, th- I think that's not a good thing. Like this right. is really weird the way they're <laughs> out there. Right. But where is this other Island emotion stayed prevalent in the storytelling Absolutely. that they, and as we were talking about before, how the brain experiences it as if it's actually experiencing it through same way if you hear to the story and then actually experiencing it so for generation generation the generations were experiencing oh shit this is this is serious it's a problem it stayed real to them over time which i kind of i'm geeking out on a little bit (laughs) (laughs) how many people geek out on that kind of stuff so i know it's a little weird but i think it's fascinating i mean it saves lives it literally saved an entire island's life which is uh i think the purpose yeah but anyway it was, it, it was the, the whole thing that I, you may have got found, found the story in another place, but the book that I had listened to about, uh, you know, how to stay alive in like a disaster. And I, I, I'll try and send you the, the link to the book when I find it. Just, it was fascinating. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I know we are a little bit short on time and you've got, uh, you've got some things that you need to get off to, but um, uh, for those that are interested in getting to know you a little bit better, more a little bit about your story and what you're up to, where can they go to find you? Quickest and easiest place to find me is reguns.com. That's A-R-I-G-U-N-Z.com. And if you wanted to see videos immediately, you can add a little forward slash V-I-D after that, and that'll take you to the video page. The other place to find me is, for my, is on my podcast, which is residing at waytogreatness.com. That's all spelled out normally. And if you want to just find it quickly on iTunes, you can just do reguns.com forward slash iTunes. And that'll take you right there on iTunes or Apple podcasts. Cool. Uh, on that, you won an award for your storytelling, right? I have a few awards. Yeah. Was that the story of the, your experience? The rabbi. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, even when you were telling it, I, I was totally engrossed by it. So um, thank you. if nothing else, there's value in that and there's value in, in taking that and turning it into light and, and inspiring people to make it through dark times. So I applaud what you're doing and uh, thanks for joining us on the call today, man. 
thank you so much. The, yeah, that's 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 exactly what I'm trying to do. I really appreciate you having me, and I appreciate you t- that you went out of potentially. I don't know if it's out of your comfort zone or not, but you know, you asked some difficult questions, and thank you. Uh, it's not actually. I feel very comfortable that like I'd rather be there because that to me is the the profundity profundity of those things to me is what I find really interesting and. I get I get lost in surface stuff. <laughs> like I'll be at the we grocery all do. store. I'll we go, all I'll do. We all do. Don't worry. Store. You're not you're not unique with that. <laughs> I'll be at the grocery store and somebody will come up to me that like knows me and we're like, hey, and I'll be so deep in my own head about some connection to, you know, story or emotion to this. And it takes me a while to like, oh right, yeah, this is this is reality for a second. Hold on, let me <laughs> let me get resynced to uh, We all get there, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely all, all right, brother. There. Well, Thanks again, and uh, let's stay in touch, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.